My name is Denzel Mitchell, and this is Main Street Speaks, a podcast about local news, politics, and history from the perspective of three college students from the Northern Neck of Virginia. When I was recently um, reading in my book club this concept of a temptation of diversity without unity, where we want to separate ourselves just to have as much diversity as possible. Um, but then that second temptation is also unity without diversity. And then you really can't have either one, but it's important to have both unity and diversity where people come together over things, um, not always thinking alike, but having the same purpose. Today, I will be speaking with Robin Schick, who was just elected as the first female mayor of Colonial Beach, Virginia, a small town in Westmoreland County, Virginia. I will speak with Mayor Schick about what it was like to grow up in a small town, her journey from Rappahannock Community College to the University of Virginia to Guatemala, why she decided to come back and help her community, and her plans for Colonial Beach as mayor. Let's get to the episode. Uh, hello, Robin Chick. Thank you for uh, agreeing to uh, speak with Main Street Speaks today, speak with me today. Um, like I said, I was reading your article, reading the article about your mayoral win, your historic mayoral win, um, to become the first female mayor of Colonial Beach. And uh, I knew I had to, to talk with you for the podcast to, to uh, you know, learn more about you and, and what you plan to do for Colonial Beach. But uh, just to start off, um, you grew up in Colonial Beach, which is a, a small town and in, in, I believe it's in Westmoreland County, right? Uh, it, it is, yeah. I was born and raised in Westmoreland, Colonial Beach, um, right here. And uh, I've lived here most of my life with the exception of going to college and, and the Peace Corps. But every other time, been right here in town. All right, all right. So what, what was it like to uh, to grow up, like how would you describe growing up in, in an area like Colonial Beach? Like I um I grew up in Northumberland County, and it's a it's also a rural area, just just south of Westmoreland County. Um, so so how would you describe what it was like growing up in, in Colonial Beach? Growing up in Colonial Beach is a little bit like a blast from the past, uh, and I guess the whole northern neck is in in that respect. Um, I grew up in a real small town living, local, you know, community. And uh, your mom knew what you did before you got home kind of deal. And everybody in town knew you and um, just very connected, very village atmosphere. And that idea that uh, you're supported by your village and your community. And I think that gave me a lot of pride in Colonial Beach. And I saw a lot of instances growing up where um, you know, we went through some rough things in Clio Beach during my childhood. We were pretty devastated by a hurricane, um, Isabel. And I grew up at a marina, so that was especially true for us. And we had also had a fire at our marina growing up. So um, we went through some pretty uh, traumatic incidents when I was a kid. And, and I saw that community reach out to each other and, you know, uh, love on each other and and what that really means. And so Colonial Beach is a small town and um, everybody knows everybody, but uh, there's a lot of good in that too. Yeah, and and as I understand that you were uh, 
a very, a very good student. You were the valedictorian of your high school class. I was. I was probably an unpredicted valedictorian, I, I guess I would say. I, I flew under the radar in a lot of senses, um, but I was very active and involved and, um, and, a, and a good student as well. Um, not necessarily the, the scholar you would have picked out of the class, but, um, but I worked hard for it and, uh, and it ended up being uh, valedictorian in the end. And, um, and a lot of that was due to uh, taking classes you know, college classes during my high school um, time. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to ask about next is, so you took, I understand that you you went to the University of Virginia, but before you went to the University of Virginia, you, you attended RCC. Um, so I wanted to ask, um, how would you describe th that process of attending, uh, attending a community college first and then transferring to a larger university and, and what, what would you say were the, the benefits of, of, of taking that route um, of higher education instead of the, the route of just jumping right into a, a four-year college, four-year institution? Sure. Well, the, the benefits are enormous. I mean, first off, Colonial Beach is a very small school system. We're the second smallest public school in the state of Virginia. And my graduating class was 36 uh, kids, I believe. So mm -hmm. uh, as a school, we just couldn't offer um, a large diversity of advanced classes. And so that's what catalyzed me into um, applying to RCC and going to RCC. I uh, took my first class at RCC in eighth grade. And um, that was quite an interesting um, uh, experience because I was sitting next to people who were professionals in their career fields. And, you know, RCC any community college is a place where lots of people come to educate themselves and so you know I think my class partner was probably in the age range of his 40s and um and here I was you know in eighth grade I think I had like dyed purple hair and jingo <laughs> jeans are on or something and you know um and he was running a business and so it was just a very unique experience I think it one, it saved a lot of money because certainly to go to school at RCC ahead of time, um, you know, it's a cost saving, which is important for um, people in rural communities, I think oftentimes. And then the exposure to mature as a person and grow, you know, being in classes with older, you know, mature adults and uh, getting exposed to that prior to going to a four-year university, I think, made going to UVA, especially from a small town school, um, a little bit easier to adjust to. That wasn't my first time sitting in a lecture or, you know, even doing some of the virtual stuff that we were doing back then. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so you were you were getting acclimated to the college environment in, in middle school. Uh, yeah, kind of. And then I took, so I took classes at RCC at night. Um, I also worked and I also played sports. So it was a pretty busy schedule for a long time there. And um, the classes I took were always to try to supplement in where my high school classes I had to um, I couldn't fit something in. So my first class at RCC was actually keyboarding. So it wasn't like, you know, quantum physics, but it was something I couldn't fit in in my high school schedule. 
and I wanted to double up on math that year, I think. And so uh, it just gave me the ability to, to get some more um, advancement. And, um, and I took a lot of classes at RCC that were, I ended up, you know, I went to UVA in architecture. So I didn't take architecture classes at RCC. I took a lot of like regular core classes. That way it checked those boxes off when I got to UVA, those uh, credits transferred. And because they weren't in my core curriculum, um, it, they could go towards my electives and the other things to check off in, in the future. So um, that helped a lot free up my schedule at UVA because then at UVA, I could focus on my main architecture classes. And then when I, um, I actually had enough credits when I transferred in that I wouldn't have had to be full-time, but I had received scholarships that required full-time. Uh, okay. um, so I got to say, take some classes at UVA that I would not have taken probably because I had the ability to, you know, um, put some credits on the board in order to, you know, be a full, stay a full-time student. So I took rugby, I took tennis, I took uh, swimming, which, um, I also took religion and I took, uh, some engineering courses and things that were interest, interesting to me, um, stuff that I hadn't been exposed to or had the ability to get exposed to necessarily, you know, in Columbia beach. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the benefits are, it saves money and gives you more flexibility. Essentially. Oh yeah. And I always loved RCC. I mean, all of my courses there, my professors there, even though there's students I took classes with, a lot of whom were, I carpooled with people from Colonial Beach that were graduates that were going to RCC classes. And we yeah. did study groups together. And some of these people were um, working at Dahlgren Naval Base that I had study groups with. And, you know, across the board, like all age ranges and all different, you know, types of people. And so that was always really interesting. And I always really enjoyed um, the people that I met through RCC and still, uh, I guess two years ago, three years ago, maybe before I um, uh, had the birth of my son, I was looking to go back to school again because, um, you know, just to always continually challenge myself. I'm just one of those people I, ha I have to continually be challenged. And so yeah. I immediately went back to RCC to see if you know, what kind of opportunity there would be there to continue to challenge myself. Yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, that's great, because uh, I got, I mean, I guess the third benefit would be like, like you said, that exposure, uh, the exposure you get, even though you're from a small community, exposure you get from, from attending RCC as a, as a child or as an adult. So, uh, as, I mean, RCC is definitely a, a great institution that I, I took dual enrollment classes, and I went to the uh, the governor's school there um and i just decided to jump right into to uh into college at uva but i, I do have friends who who took the route you did and and decided to get either get their associate's degree in high school or um take one or two years before attending the four-year institution to to get their associate's degree or, or something like that uh, so yeah we're definitely definitely happy to have rcc in the area it's definitely really good for us so after UVA, uh, I understand that you went to the Peace Corps and, uh, and you worked in Guatemala. What, uh, what inspires you to, to, go, to go down to, to join the Peace Corps and, and go down to Guatemala? And, and 
what did you what did you learn from that experience working in Guatemala? Sure. So the Peace Corps is the hardest job you'll ever love. <laughs> that's, that's the best way to sum it up. Um, it is an immense challenge. Um, sort of, uh, there's a not an easy way to describe what you do in the Peace Corps. Um, but the reason why I joined was mainly because I had been volunteering my whole life. I mean, even from the time I was a kid, uh, whether it be through Girl Scouts or through the church or different things. And then in uh, UVA, I was, um, you know, I volunteered through Madison House. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and I did several programs there. And I did alternative spring break where you go to volunteer for a spring break instead of going to like party or something else <laughs> that you would do. And I had done alternative spring break in Wayland, Mississippi after Katrina. And then I had done alternative spring break in doing an educational program, teaching English to um, indigenous kids in Jamaica who speak Patois actually. So it was, um, both of those experiences were really impactful in my life too. And so I had two professors at UVA that had, um, that were architecture professors that had been in the Peace Corps. And both of them told me not to do it. <laughs> but, really? but, but I did it anyway. <laughs> so um, I wanted to travel. I wanted to continue to challenge myself. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to learn about the world. And um, as much as you, I think people view the Peace Corps as a, a way to, um, help the world, it's really a lot is it helped me. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, and that's hard to explain to people, but I think I, I developed and learned from it even more so than I could have impacted the world from it, you know? Um, so going, to, going to Guatemala was a challenge. It was a challenge indeed. What were some of the things that that you, well, one, what was the reason that your architecture professors uh, said that you shouldn't go and, and join the Peace Corps? I think that they saw, well, because um, the Peace Corps and architecture are not necessarily very related. Um, you know, you don't go to the Peace Corps and then design buildings normally, you know? Yeah. And so I think they saw that I, could, had a future in um, in formal architecture, and um, and also that I get they didn't want me to get sidetracked maybe from that I'm not sure um, gotcha. and that it was just really difficult and wasn't always what you what you think it's going to be the Peace Corps is what you make it um, and there are certainly volunteers that that make it uh, their own in many different ways. My experience there well first when I got there. I had qualified for a Spanish-speaking country because I had took Spanish in high school. I had not taken Spanish since high school, though. Oh, and I did not speak Spanish at the time. I, I guess I checked the checkbox enough to, um, to send me there, but I actually got to Guatemala, and I was considered, you have to test in when you get there, and I was considered novice tourist. <laughs> Which is the lowest you can be considered, oh, period. Like, I could say hola and taco, and, like, that was it. <laughs> and it was really challenging for me because most of the other volunteers, all the other volunteers I was with, could speak at least some level of Spanish. 
And so I had, I ended up getting assigned the Spanish teacher of the Peace Corps because my level was so low. I had a one-on-one Spanish course with her for three months to just try to make something out of me, I think. And, um, And I ended up, you know, leaving the Peace Corps with an advanced Spanish level and then teaching Spanish later at Pointe Beach High School. So it worked out, but it was um, working in a country that is not your culture, it's not your style, that has a machismo attitude towards it as a woman, as a white woman um, from America, uh, came with its own challenges, but then not to speak the language either, like pretty much made it as difficult as you as you could think. Yeah, yeah, that, that must have been quite an experience. Spanish, uh, you know, I, I've taken it at UVA, but um, I still wouldn't consider myself, uh, you know, fluent enough to to be able to, uh, you know, speak with fluent fluent speakers. So I know that that must have been a challenge, but it seems like you worked it out, which is uh, which is really impressive over those three months. And what were what were some of the things that you did in Guatemala? Uh, what, what were some of the projects that you you uh, helped out with while you were there? Sure. So the core program of my um, Peace Corps program was municipal development, which involved um, supporting the democracy that had been established in Guatemala, which was fairly new as far as countries are concerned. They had had a a military dictatorship prior and a civil war. And so democracy and voting and voting rights and getting people to participate in democracy was a part of it. And then, so we did things like... um, you know, monitoring elections and election fairness and things like that. But then the development part of the main accomplishment was building a municipal library. And that was a project I took on and that took me the entire duration of my Peace Corps um, time there where we had a small room full of books, but it was like a jail cell of books and nobody was allowed to check them out and nobody like, you know, really use the library to its potential like we do here in the U.S. So um, we built a brand new library that had computers and the internet and a fax machine and a copy machine and a kid's corner with couches and games and fun things and just created an interactive space um, for education, which is really vital. And that's one of the key pieces in Guatemala is um, education most I don't know. A lot of women cannot read or write. Uh, many cannot even sign their own name. Yeah. And, and that was. And did you help with with literacy as well? As yeah, a, there was. You know, part of building the physical library was also programming it. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So um, that's a. Uh, th- those are a lot of things and. And uh, I mean, that leads to my next set of questions because it, it seems like those are things that are important for rural parts of uh, America, like uh, like the Northern Neck. Um, you know, just purely just access to facilities and and some people in the area, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, not having access to things like you know, internet, of course, as you know, and 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 students having access to internet so they can you know, do their schoolwork and things like that. So did that, ins- is that what inspired you to, to, to come back to your, to your hometown is, uh, was working in Guatemala and, and, and 
Well, I, I, I imply that you saw a relation, but did you see a relation between the work you were doing in Guatemala and, and some of the needs you saw for your hometown? Is that what inspired you to come back? Um, yes, but maybe not as quickly associated as that. I don't think I left Guatemala saying, oh, and now I knew it. I know what Clinton Beach needs. You know, I yeah. think it was more that um, my family all lives in Clinton Beach and we're very locally here. And I won't miss my family. You know, I had spent two and a half years living abroad. I had seen my parents twice in two and a half years. And I, I miss my family. The economy had also took a, took a downturn during that time. And um, we, my family runs a local business. And so they needed help and I needed something to do. I didn't, there's a, when you leave the Peace Corps after doing the work that you do down there and um, going through the experiences that you do, it's, it's sort of like you could do anything after that. I mean, if you can do that, you know, what can you not do? And so yeah. um, I had a gap where I had to kind of figure that out. What, what did I want to do? What did that mean? And I really just wanted to be with my family. So I came home and I worked in my family business and I worked with my, my dad mainly in running our family business here and then just started building on my architecture again and started my own design business. And when I found I could, you know, find a way to have purpose and live here locally and in rural, you know, in a rural area and still make it work, I started investing in my community that skill set that I had developed, you know, that community development skill set. So yeah. um, it kind of was more gradual than an than an immediate you know, leaving Guatemala and saying, I, you know, I can yeah. help on your beach. It was, it was over a time that I saw that how connected they were. Okay. Okay. And, and so, so eventually you did come back and you said that you, you worked for your, your parents' business. You said they own a marina, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and you started your own architecture firm. Uh, what, what, well, just for our listeners, you know, what, what, does your architecture firm do? Um, you know, what are some of the projects that you've been involved in, and and uh, and like essentially what what has been taken up the, the bulk of your time um, with that firm? Sure. So the need in the northern neck for architecture, and I'm a more of a draftsman than I'm a formal architect. I don't do commercial work as much unless I work within another firm but was in residential and sort of, and, and helping people that were renovating or having additions to their new homes or building a new house in a historic context in an area that they wanted to have um, a home that fit the character of the neighborhood and helping them design something that fit into that. And so I do additions, remodels and new homes, um, but I also work with municipal development and so I did the uh, revitalization designs for the uh, town of Warsaw and then also for the village of Calio and uh, some local projects here in Colonial Beach um, to, for our Torrey Smith Rec Park. I did a lot of design work for that and, um, and look forward to seeing and influencing the design of, you know, the Northern Neck in many ways, because I think part of what I do is understand the heritage and the culture and the history of 
the buildings that we have here and of our community, and then try to reflect that in the new things as we build and develop. Yeah, and that's, uh, well, you know, of course, as you know, that's, that's something that's important, especially for the older folks around here. They want to, uh, you know, preserve the, the beauty that, that we have, whether it be the nature or, or like you, the homes that you're working with, um, renovating and, and things of that nature. So, that, and that's, this, this is what I want to ask is, is um, you know, what do you see as the future of the Northern Neck in terms of uh, the development work that, that you're doing, you know, how should, you know, local uh, boards of supervisors and, and town councils go about developing this area to make sure that it's still attractive and, and, and still has some sort of growth to be able to maintain itself economically, uh, but at the same time, preserving what, you know, the, the beautiful structures and, and uh, environment that we have, like from your experience, uh, what would you say is the best way to approach that, or how have you approached it, um, just in the in the general in a general sense? Yeah, I think it is um, very important to um, not give into the pressures of suburbia. Yeah, and that we don't need to look like anywhere else. That we need to look like like us and. So what does that mean? It means taking um, some of the history and bringing it back to life. It means when you're adding in new that it's um, related to the place. So here in Colonial Beach, we have a long history of watermen. We have a long history of tourism. We have a history of gambling. We have a history of um, it being a beach town. And so as we economically develop and grow and, and build, I think we should be trying to um, bring some of those things back into it. And I, and as much as everybody loves, you know, a Starbucks, I think <laughs> I cherish our local coffee shop. I cherish Montrose's local coffee shop. I cherish Warsaw's local coffee shop and Calio's local coffee shop. And so I think keeping things small and local is something that's gonna make the Northern Neck as a whole unique and that will attract people. Um, you know, we don't need to be like anywhere else. Yeah. So, so really just revitalizing and, and strengthening what we already have. Yeah, and having partnerships in that too. I think it's important that we all work with each other in this region, you know, that's something that I bring to the table and um, I wanna continue it. Yeah, and and, and uh, I understand that, well, you're, you've just been elected the uh, first female mayor of Colonial Beach, but before, even before that, you, you were very involved in Colonial Beach, you were on the Planning Commission, like you said, you helped with the revitalization, and you you said Montrose and, and Calio, correct? Warsaw and Calio. And, Warsaw and Calio, and uh, and you were the, the vice mayor before you were mayor. So, um, what what do you uh, what do you want to do um, as mayor, uh, you know, of Colonial Beach to to continue to to you know help Colonial Beach stay uh, attractive place for tourists and and continuing to attract tourists and and uh and, and i guess you know just maintain the character while also 
growing the the area what are some of your goals um for colonial beach and, and it doesn't just have to be architecture but uh whether it's you know the school system or whatever it may be what are, what are some of the things that you really want to focus on as mayor yeah, I think we have a lot of challenges ahead ahead of us. We are really have a lot of exciting opportunities, though. So we just signed a development deal to develop um, four different uh, municipally owned properties that are being sold uh, to the Dotson Development Group that are just going to bring um, more density, more mixed use. It's going to bring, um, build up our boardwalk and hospitality. And so the phases of that and how that um, influences our community is an exciting time. We have other developments also coming on its heels. And so that's good as well. And making sure that those things tie into our local place. Also being prepared for that stormwater management and um, our infrastructure and need to stay, um, you know, ahead of the game on these things. So we have a lot of uh, things under the ground that aren't as pretty to see or do that also need um, attention. But community pride is important to me. It's something that I had as a kid here. Drifter pride is important in Colonial Beach. If you're a drifter um, in our small school system, uh, you don't forget it. And uh, we all lean on each other in a big way. So I'd like to bring some community pride to town and hopefully um, build that in our community and more than just through the school system, but you know, across the board. Yeah, yeah, which, which will, uh, which is, always important in, in small towns and the, the school and I, when I when I tell people at, at UVA about my area and just the northern in general is like you know the, the school and unfortunately we haven't had a lot of sports this year but sporting events um they they play a large role in the the unity of the community uh so I think that you know that's awesome that that's something that you're going to uh, focus on as as a uh, as mayor and you know to help you get things done I, I wanted to ask um you mentioned, uh, you know, working with, working together, the Northern Lakes should work together to, to um, you know, whether it's revitalizing or, or building economically or whatever it may be. Uh, is that something you plan to do as mayor as well? And, and uh, you know, do you see anything that, that certain counties or municipalities in the Northern Lake are not doing that maybe they should uh, do or, or maybe something that they should improve when it comes to the development of their areas. Um, I don't know how much experience you have with, you have had with um, working beyond the revitalization projects um, in Warsaw and Calio, but um, like, is there anything that you would suggest that other areas should do and, and focus on? Um, I mean, I don't intend to be critical of anywhere else. We have our own issues in Colonia Beach, but I yeah. think that I look forward to just um, collaborating. And there's a lot of talent out there in the Northern Neck. I mean, immense talent in every way. So um, I just want to be a kind of open arms to uh, working together with other localities, other municipalities and their talent and their um what they bring to the table, because I think we have a lot of similarities and I think, you know, collaboratively things like tourism um, and our environment and um, connect us across the region. And we're facing a lot of the same challenges as well. So with 
as municipalities are tackling these challenges, you know, we need to be sharing our solutions and what worked and what didn't work and all of those things. Got you, got you. And just the last question I want to ask is, um, like, you know, like I, like we were talking about, you have a history of, of service and, you know, you were in the planning commission and, and the town council and you were vice mayor and now you're mayor. Uh, do you have any, do you intend to, to continue to, you know, run for office and, and, uh, and serve beyond the, the mayor of Columbia? I know you were just elected, of course, but. I was just elected, yeah. Um, I, I get this question a lot, I guess, because there's a sort of projectile of, um, you know, terms of that so far. Maybe that's why this question keeps coming up, but I yeah. am really focused on Colonial Beach and I don't really have any intention of going above and beyond that right now. I'm, um, I'm really happy to serve my community and really proud of that. And um, this is where I want to be. I have kids, I have, you know, two, three stepkids and um, my one-year-old son and we're growing our family here. And um, that's really important to us in this community. So I'm focused on Colonial Beach right now and, and just Colonial Beach. All right, got you, got you. I, I just uh, just had to ask, just had to ask. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that is uh, all we, all I have, all the questions I have for you. Uh, is there any final uh, statements you would like to make at all? Uh, or any anything that you would like to say that we haven't spoken about? Um, I think that one of the things that it's going to be challenging um, or is a challenge for us in our Northern Neck um, culture and ways is uh, tackling sometimes uh, growth and in doing that, um, embracing diversity. When I was recently um, reading in my book club, this concept of a temptation of diversity without unity, where we want to separate ourselves just to have as much diversity as possible. Um, but then that second temptation is also unity without diversity and that you really can't have either one, but it's important to have both unity and diversity where people come together over things, um, not always thinking alike, but having the same purpose. Got you, got you. Thank you, and and uh, that's that's really like you said that's important for the all of the northern neck. So I'm, I'm glad that's something that uh, you know I, I know that we'll be focused on in, in Colonial Beach, and I like that is very important. So we we, uh, we all appreciate that. So yeah, that's thank you so much again for uh, agreeing to to sit down and, and speak with me today, and and. Um, Congratulations on becoming the first female mayor of Colonial Beach, and uh, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you today, and I look forward to um, more podcasts and uh, catch up with you guys. Again, that was Robin Schick, the first female mayor of Colonial Beach, Virginia. You can follow her on Facebook at Robin the number four, CB. Thank you for listening today. My name is Denzel Mitchell. This is Main Street Speaks, and we'll see you next time.